Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 4, Episode 21, Judgment Day. And here to talk with you about it as we are every week, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and over there is Audie Norman. Audie, how are you? Doing all right. It's uh, been, you know, kind of normal stuff, normal summer stuff going on. The boys were at Nana Camp last week, and so I had a little free time, just a little bit. A little bit. Um, and then they now we're doing half a day at PBS, so I still get a little reprieve every day. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. It's uh, we have we have hit summer. The humidity is out, which was real fun walking the dog today, <laughs> just swimming through the air. But you know it is what oh, it yeah. is. Um, I uh, I ordered a new desk that's going to replace what sits behind me here as my painting area. Um, Sweet. So that I can get that to a height. And be able to like tuck into it with a chair while I'm painting, which I'm mm-hmm. hoping will be a lot easier on my back. Because that's my only downside yeah. to painting right now is the way the chair is set up. I can't get close enough, so I end up leaning over a lot. So mm-hmm. we'll redo that. Plus, it'll is move. Is it going to be like? I was going to say, is it going to be adjustable to standing at all? Uh, it won't be, but that's okay. I don't tend to like to paint while I'm standing up. <clears throat> sure. So that's fine. Uh, but it's also going to let me move the 3D printers out of this room. So that I'm a little more comfortable running them while I'm doing stuff in here. Yeah. Because uh, right now I That'd don't nice. run the printers if I'm in the room for an extended period of time because the fumes are kind of not great for you. So, right. So that's that's coming later this week, which will be a fun little project to put together. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we are nearly done with season four. We have, yeah, we are. We have begun the season four season finale, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really and, funny. I I bought this season on iTunes, uh-huh. and there's like an extra video that I guess is an extra on the DVDs where they talk to Peter Wingfield. Mm, right. And my brain keeps seeing that, and it's like, no, we've got two more. <laughs> oh no, we just got one more. Yeah. Um. So it was. Uh. It's an interesting episode. We're gonna get into. Um. Mm-hmm. And uh. Yeah. I think we we go ahead and do that. But before we do, uh, as is tradition, we have a Watcher Chronicle. And so we're going to listen to that first. Sounds good to me. May 20th, 1996. I just received a message from Joe Dawson that he's coming to Paris. He said he was told that Duncan McLeod was killed and he was on the next flight here. I'm not sure what's going on here. I know I was away for a couple of days, but the last time I went by the barge, McLeod was still there and alive. Something doesn't feel right about this. I tried to get a hold of Dawson, but he's already on his way here, so I guess I'll have to wait until I see him to find out what's going on. We open up at Joe's bar. Uh, Joe is sitting around playing a little uh, blues guitar, just kind of doing his thing, when he gets a phone call. Mm -hmm. 
and he gets the phone call, and the phone call is that Duncan McLeod is dead, and he <laughs> needs to get to Paris right away. Yeah. So he hops on the next plane, uh, and he goes. He's he's going to kind of wrap up the case, right? Wrap up the the chronicle of Duncan McLeod. Gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to the barge. And even the taxi driver that's taking him to the barge can tell something's not right. And, you know, he gets out, he pulls out his mic, uh, his little micro cassette recorder. He starts to do his recording. <laughs> that was great to see one of those. I haven't seen a micro cassette recorder in quite a while. <laughs> no, it was kids back in the day. We recorded stuff on cassette tapes mm-hmm. and little ones at that. Yeah. Uh, so he starts it up, and as he's recording, Duncan is running down the channel and uh, and sees him and calls out to him, which gets Joe's attention. Joe turns around. He's shocked to see Duncan. But before they have a chance to even talk, a car pulls up. Some men get out. They hit Joe, shove him in the car, and drive away. And, mm-hmm. and Duncan, to his credit, does everything that he can, but you can only hold on yep. to the roof rack of a car for so long before uh at when it's moving anyway right so that he can't stop him so so duncan's at the barge and he feels an immortal's presence he goes outside into the foggiest fog that has ever <laughs> existed like like the movie the fog wasn't that foggy it was <laughs> yeah it had to have just been covering up like a sound stage or something that had to like a reshoot Probably. maybe i don't know anyway he he heads off um and you know, calls out, I'm Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod, and takes a swing with the sword and almost takes Mythos' head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mythos is there because apparently watcher security has gotten super tight, and he, he's afraid yeah. to even go to the barge um, for fear of getting found out. And something's going on. Duncan eventually convinces him that he needs to f- help find something out about Joe. Um, right. And kind of what all has been happening. But there's a great moment because... You got Duncan telling Mythos, well, look, you owe it to Joe. He kept your secret. And Mythos is like, well, that was his choice to do that. Like the survivor of Mythos Mm -hmm. is there. Um, And then Duncan gave him a stern look. And I love when he leaves and the line from Mythos, because it's a classic Mythos line. I've spent years losing my conscience only for him to go and find it again. Right. (laughs) Um, That was great. So we see Joe being held, uh, in a, what looks like a, just a giant house. In fact, he's taken to uh, a room filled with toys and, and kids stuff. And mm. he's just left in there. No one will talk to him at all. Um, back at the barge, we see somebody come up on a motorcycle, get off, and he's kind of looking around inside the barge. Uh, we're not really sure who he is. Another person sees this. And eventually what we figure out is the the guy up on the pier or up on the bridge is a watcher and he's trying mm-hmm. to be inconspicuous the guy down on the barge notices him and starts to follow him right so now we see duncan uh driving up to the old watcher headquarters the giant estate mansion that they used to be be in um, mm-hmm. and as he's driving up he feels the presence of an immortal and flying by in a motorcycle in the other direction is the guy we just saw at the barge. So we know now that right. that's an immortal. Duncan gets there. The estate's been sold. Uh, he tries to finagle information. Can't really get a whole lot. Um, and But he, he does eventually figure out where their new headquarters are. 
So he's trying to sneak his way in. And this is another one of those great moments. He's sneaking his way in. Suddenly he feels an immortal. And they both jump out from behind trees, swords drawn. And it's Mythos again. Mythos. Who has yet another great line of, we need to stop meeting this way. People are going to start to talk. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that they jump out and then immediately both jump back behind the trees to hide. Right. Realizing neither one of them can be seen there. Um, Mm -hmm. So... Duncan was able to convince Mythos to do some digging, do some investigating, find out what's at least something of what's going on. Um, Joe is being held for treason against the Watchers. And Mythos eventually helps Duncan to get inside the compound by causing a distraction at the gate. He, he rolls mm-hmm. up as Adam Pearson to come inside, and the gate guard's like, yeah, you're not allowed to be here, but he's there long enough to distract them so Duncan can get over the fence and start climbing up the building. Right. A gate um, that is closed this one instance, and then for some reason the rest of the episode is not closed. Yeah, and nobody's manning it. <laughs> can freely go in and out. It's kind of funny. So, um, <clears throat> Duncan gets inside, and he's ready to help Joe escape. And Joe's like, uh, yeah, hey, by the way, there's cameras up there. And it's like, well, poo. <laughs> so... <laughs> We find out kind of everything that's going on. Joe is taken down in front of a tribunal. And it's held in the basement of this place. Essentially, Joe broke his oath, and the Watchers are trying him for the the crimes of doing that, of breaking his Mm -hmm. oath, of exposing them to the the immortals, uh, specifically Duncan MacLeod. And Joe at one point even says, look, you want me out, I'm out. It's fine. Keep your gold watch. I don't care. I'm done. And they're and and it's no, it's not that. They're going to kill him if they find him mm-hmm. guilty. Uh, right. And so a majority. It's not, just, uh, it's not just he talked to immortals. He also falsified his reports to cover up how much he was talking to immortals. And that yes. was the other thing they were all hot and bothered by. Mm-hmm. So eventually Duncan ends up there. Uh, talking to them as well and kind of pleading Joe's case and even convinces them to bring in a jury and, and have like a full on kind of trial, mm-hmm. um, bit of a kangaroo court, but whatever. Uh, right. So during which Mythos shows up as Adam Pearson, alluding to what you were talking about where the gates just kind of freely open now, anybody can come and go. Yeah. Um, but to, to try and bring some more information to light, uh, and try to help, which, Felt a little bit more like they were just, hey, we have Mythos in this episode. He probably let's let's not forget he's here. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, like the Watchers have kind of already made up their mind about Joe, right? And they're not listening to much. Like even even when Duncan is telling him, look, Joe, this all started. It wasn't Joe's fault. You know, I pressed him on it. I found right. this stuff because renegade Watchers were killing immortals against the rules. Uh, they were all breaking mm. your rules too. And right. I think I think even one of the one of the tribunal says like, "Well, what Horton did is irrelevant." It's like, "No, it's not. Hold on. It's, like, it's not. Yeah. It's it's, it's very no. damn relevant." But this goes back and forth. There's a lot of flashbacks to um previous episodes going over the stuff that happened between Joe and and uh Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just a lot of Duncan trying to plead the case for Joe. And, uh, and the, the watchers saying like, well, it doesn't matter. He, you know, he broke the rules. Um, while this is all going on, we do cut back to Paris and we see the immortal that we saw earlier, whose name is Jacob. 
and he comes out. He's standing outside of like a looks like a cafe or a bar or something, and the watcher that he was following comes outside. They have a little bit of a, a talk. He's posing as a watcher. He he drew a fake tattoo on his right. wrist to get the guy to talk to him, and then stabs him and kills him in the street. Mm-hmm. So that's important because when we come back and the proceedings are going on, someone comes in to tell Jack uh, Shapiro, who's the head of the Watchers, about this. That was Jack Shapiro's son that was just killed. Yeah. Who was the Watcher that had taken over for Joe Dawson uh, on the assignment of Duncan McLeod. So Jack immediately was like, all right, we're done here. Jury, you make a decision now. Uh, my son was just killed. And the jury doesn't, the jury's like, yeah, all right, they're guilty. <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. deliberate at all. Like nothing that's been said has helped, which yeah. is further evidence that they had already made up their mind of what was going to happen. Right. So Duncan does make one last attempt to kind of rescue Joe as they're being taken back. Because, by the way, and I left this part out and this is my fault. In order for Duncan to be there, he had to agree to the same fate as Joe. So if right. Joe was found guilty, Duncan is found guilty and also sentenced to death by the Watchers. Um, so <clears throat> Duncan makes one last attempt to save themselves, knocks out the guards, but Joe's resigned to his fate. He's like, "Now nah, look, I broke the rules. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew what was happening when I signed on. He's He's become very just, I'm done. I'm done with all this, and I'm going to take what I want. And, and you know, Duncan isn't going to do that, so he leaves. But now he's right. wrestling with it. He's talking to Mythos. He's like, ah, why? Yeah. You know, they're, they're going back and forth on it. And then we get Joe, who's just like, you know, he's waiting, waiting. He even tells Jack at the execution the next morning, look, you do it. I don't like this guy. If, you're, if someone's going to kill me, it should be you. And Jack can't do it. Right. Can't bring himself to kill his friend. So he leaves and literally drives away. And right after that, just before Joe can get shot, Jacob the Immortal shows up because, once again, it's sort of a free-flowing gate there. Um, In a way, we do find out he did kill a guard on the way in. Yeah. Roughly, too. Strangled him with barbed wire. Yeah, that was... They didn't show show it as much as they could have, but boof. But he he comes up and levels all of them because it's the it's the remaining two members of the Watcher Tribunal and all of the jury members that were there, and Joe, mm-hmm. who they he, said earlier were like regional head honchos. Yeah, 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 all very high ranking Watchers, and this guy comes in and just mows them all down, mm-hmm. and leaves. And Duncan was on his way back, I guess, for one last chance, one last shot at trying to save Joe. So he arrives just yeah, after that. And, um, yeah, he runs up and he finds Joe laying there amongst everybody else shot. And it ends there with a to be continued. Right. So, yeah, a lot goes on in this one. Um, some mm-hmm. pretty interesting stuff. But I think we talk about our special guests. Sure. Okay, I'll find out what I can. Thanks. years losing my conscience only for him to go and find it again so special guests uh we're gonna start with peter wingfield as mythos a win always a win he's he's there he's great uh there's not a whole lot more to say about it i mentioned a couple of his good lines earlier right i love that Mm -hmm. because because again it's peter wingfield knowing that character so well 
And yep. so his delivery of that line is even better. I just love that. I spent years trying to lose my conscience only for him to go and find it. Mm-hmm. Like he reluctantly, like his instinct for the the last however many hundreds of years has been as survival. But there's just something about Duncan McLeod and the goodness of him that is rubbing off on Mythos to the point where he can't yep. be the selfish survivor that he normally is. So I love that. And it's oh. funny thinking about it right now. All of a sudden, this came to me. He feels so much. Mythos is like an, an old Spider-Man with the way they give him the quips mm-hmm. that he just throws out oh, in yeah. any given situation. It's just it's that whole Spider-Man. I'm going to be funny mentality no matter what's going on. Well, and he's just he's seen and experienced so much that it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense that he would be very sardonic and very very sarcastic. Like he yeah. just that's that's where he's at. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's always great to see mythos and he's a, and because this storyline deals with the watchers, he's got his foot in both worlds because he's still Adam right. Pearson and it's still very important to him to remain Adam Pearson. That's a, mm-hmm. it's a very important cover for him. So right. he wants to, he, he is, he is wanting to help, but he can only do so much without blowing his cover. Yet he also can show up with that, with that, uh, journal. Like, hey, this is the journal of a watcher who became friends with Mythos. Like, as I was researching mm-hmm. it, I found this type of deal. So he can offer these kinds of insights that that most people can't. So it's an interesting way to do it. And as I've said many, many, many times, any episode with Mythos is a better episode because of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Jesse Joe Walsh is Jack Shapiro, the head of the Watchers. And I thought he made for a decent foil for Joe, given what they gave him on the page. Um, sure. Because he, he is definitely like, look, you broke the rules. It's bad, but he wasn't fire and brimstone and like condemning him right away. He was the, the, the other guy, the other member of the tribunal that, um, was the one that got the gun at the end. I don't know. Remember him getting a name ever, but he was definitely for Charlie Tarvis. Okay. Charlie. He definitely had it in for Joe and for Duncan. Yeah, he did. Um, but Jack, uh, Jack, I liked. It's an interesting angle, and obviously, we haven't seen part two yet to know how it all plays out. But it's a it's a different angle to make one of the mm-hmm. Watchers his son that's been killed right. because his big thing. Yes, it's breaking the rules. Yes, it's falsifying the the documents. But his major thing was the number of Watchers that have died in the last three years versus mm-hmm. the previous 50. Right. So, like, Charlie was all about, you broke the rules, you falsified stuff. You know, he's very... Nah, 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 nah. And Jack is like, we've lost 80-something agents in the last three years since you exposed us to McLeod. And we can't keep losing agents like this. So... Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more empathy from Jack than from the other Watchers. He's still angry, and he still wants justice, but he's not like... It's different from him, is kind of the feel that I have. Yeah. It's one of those things where Charlie definitely made up his mind before they even started this thing, Mm -hmm. and Jack wants to hear from Joe. Yeah, and there's where you can tell that they were friends, whereas Mm -hmm. Charlie obviously just doesn't care. And Right. And so I, I did enjoy that. And I thought that uh, I thought that Jack was was a decent enough character, and mm-hmm. he was played well. The really where his performance was the best was during the execution part, right at the end. Yeah, because he's he. You can tell how much it's tearing at him, but he he like 
He feels that the correct decision has been made and he also can't go back on it now. Right. And also, I, I can... Part of me wants Joe to call him a coward for walking away and not doing it himself, but I think in the same way Joe understands having just lost his son, there's no way he could pull the trigger on a friend. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Like, there's that hurt that I you just can't get past. But... You got Charlie there. Charlie's more willing and able. Yeah, he's more uh, than happy to shoot Joe right in the head. Doesn't care. And did did you recognize him at all? Because I definitely was like, he looks familiar. And then I looked him up. I was like, oh, no wonder. Uh, I same thing. He looked familiar, but I didn't look him up to see what he was in. So what? He's played by Graham McTavish. That's Graham McTavish. Who, yes. Holy crap! That's why it looks so weird because he had hair and not a scruffy beard. Yeah. Wow. I had no clue. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But like when you look at him in the face, and you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. There it is. Young little whippersnapper Graham McTavish <laughs> at the time. Little baby Graham McTavish. Uh -huh. Oh, that's awesome. And for awesome. those of you who don't know him, he has been in a lot of stuff. I feel like he's he's been a lot more utilizing that more older scruffy guy image and really has played well with that in his, in his career lately. He was in the Hobbit movies mm -hmm. as Dwalin. Yep. Uh, he was in uh, Rambo uh, as a character called Lewis. If you saw that one, I remember him because he was like one of the tough guys going to rescue people. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just butted heads with Rambo. And Rambo was like, don't mess with me. So, and right now, um, I don't watch it, so I can't tell you for sure, but... Uh, I know he was on Outlander. Yep. Um, I know that because my brother-in-law actually got a cameo from him for my sister for her birthday like a year or two ago. Nice. Very cool. Um, Ace in the chat is saying he's on NCIS. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, apparently he's going to be in the upcoming uh, House of Dragon uh, series on HBO. I'm, I'm um, going to go back and look at him again because you're right. Like it was one of those, it was just bugging me. Like I know this guy, but I didn't have time to look it up before we got started. So that's yeah. really cool. I didn't realize he voiced Dracula in the Castlevania series in Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember reading right. that. Um, so wow. Graham McTavish. That's pretty cool. And then <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to mention Steve Tremblay as Jacob Galati, uh, only because mm -hmm. he's important to the plot, but he's barely right. on screen. He's in. Yeah. He, like half his screen time is is spent with him riding a motorcycle in the opposite direction of Duncan. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, he um that's that's him. It's good work from special guests, given that the bulk of the episode is kind of a quote unquote courtroom drama about yeah. Joe, and there's so much flashback to previous episodes that there isn't this plot that demands to have like one big um. Uh, special guest. So, right. Given given that, you know, that's why I say Jesse Joe Walsh did great with what he was given because he's there's not much for him to do there mm -hmm. until that final scene, and right. he made the most of that scene. And right, same mm -hmm. thing with Graham McTavish as Charlie. Like he he made the most of his yeah. scenes where he was he was the um you know the uh antagonist he was the one More against joe so yeah good uh special guest work though mm -hmm. last request 
die of old age. Flashback wise, there isn't like a, a flashback to earlier in Duncan's life or some mortal's life or anything like that. All we got right. were clips from previous episodes detailing what happened between Joe and Duncan and some of their little adventures, whether it's how they met or stuff that Joe helped Duncan with, like Quentin mm-hmm. Barnes, like uh, um, the vampire uh, episode, all of that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a true flashback and it did give it a little bit of a feel of a clip show, which if you're watching it the way we are now, it very much feels like that. Right. Because we're watching the right. sequence week after week, but mm-hmm. in a syndicated show where you might just happen upon this two part episode to play out of nowhere, you need those because you need context right. to what's going on. Yeah. I think it's just funny that all these flashbacks are your typical television flashback and not the standard Highlander setup flashback. Yeah. You know, to, and it's fine. I mean, for this episode and what they're doing and what they're trying to do, these kind of flashbacks are the way you have to do it. And I got to say, most of the time they did pretty good as far as not showing, not as we've had in the past, not had way too much of a flashback to give us way more information than we really need from it. Yeah, they kept them tight. They kept them, um, you know, decent amount of, hey, we're going to show this bit, but they didn't overstay mm-hmm. that welcome. They didn't give us too much. There was, you could have trimmed a little bit here and there, but there wasn't yeah, like, there wasn't, couple. there wasn't anything like what we saw in, was it season two or three where there was like the first five minutes of an episode was all just reused footage? Yeah. You know, we yeah, didn't have nothing, nothing was egregious at all. Correct. Yes. That is the way that I would put it. Um, and it, it makes sense that there's no like traditional Highlander flashback because there's no other immortal or, mm-hmm. you know, if if this had been a situation that Duncan had had come across before, we could see that, but that it wouldn't mm-hmm. work. Like there's no there's no right. narrative reason to have that. Yeah, could be, because everything is connected to Joe's relationship with Duncan. We have had a flashback in the past of Joe, and you know how he got yeah. into the waters thing, and that made sense at the time. We don't need that kind of flashback here. No. Um, what they did works. Yeah, everything that's involved in this storyline is within the last three years, so it makes sense to use footage from previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. Now, as far as Joe goes, number one, Joe's back. This is our first episode yeah. of Joe since like the mid since since Duncan came to Paris. Yep. We haven't seen Joe, and man, they opened with him playing guitar, and I was like. Yes, Joe playing guitar, and then his phone rings like almost immediately. It's like, no, don't interrupt that. Dang it! <laughs> I know, I know. But it was—it's great to have Joe back. And it was—if you're going to mm-hmm. bring him back, I think it's uh, kind of an inspired idea to make the episode then focus on the Watchers themselves as an yeah. organization. Um, and it's nice to see him involved again, and the fact that. As soon as he shows up and Duncan sees him, he's he's surprised to see him because they didn't leave on bad terms, but they were still it was there was tension between mm-hmm. the two of them when Duncan left because of the dark quickening sure. and all of that. Right. So you think about that. The last time Duncan saw Joe Dawson, he was trying to kill Richie and Dawson mm-hmm. shot him. And the next time he sees him is months later just out of nowhere uh, by the barge. Yeah. 
And that's super. I didn't even think about all that. Good Lord. Yeah. And his first instinct, as soon as Joe is taken, his immediate instinct is I got to help my friend. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's Duncan. He's going to do that. Of course. But, but still like even in the context of, of just normal things like that's enough. But the fact that the last time he saw him was Dawson literally putting bullets in him. Mm -hmm. And that's still the first place he goes. Well, I mean, he was under the influence at that point. True. But I think it's interesting that we go through all this and there's no talk or resolution about that at all. Yeah. Like it not... would have been nice to have a little, you know, some little conversation, especially, you know, once Duncan busts in, tries to break out Joe and then Joe's like camera. Duncan's like, well, crap. <laughs> okay. So how you doing, Joe? And have some kind of little conversation about that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and who knows, we might get some of that in part two. I'm not sure. Uh, it's been a while since yeah, I've seen this one, but Jim Burns just steps right back into it. Like he's lost nothing and, yep. and he's, oh, yeah. he's wonderful one, once again, but it's a, it's the story focuses on him and what mm-hmm. he has done and the choices that he has made and how those are coming back, you know, coming home to roost now. And I very much liked that. Um, because again, we just haven't seen Joe for for so many episodes. It's nice to bring him back and give him a lot to go on, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And the fact that okay, so there's the and I'm going to use air quotes for this trial that he ends up going under. Um, okay. It was. Can I mean, we just talk about like for as cool as the Watchers are, the concept and everything, this episode just shows them to be the biggest dolts in the world. <laughs> like one Joe apparently is supposed to be McLeod's watcher up until right this point, mm-hmm. but he's still in another country halfway across the world. Yeah. And that's okay. That's the way they operate. And then two, like we've said, you know, earlier and even, you know, uh, off recording, this was a kangaroo court. Would this kind of organization really operate that way? Like, I, I they can, do it for the sake of this episode, but man, I feel like there is they they just feel like complete a holes for not having any kind of, um, you know, somebody to represent Joe and give his side of the story at all. Yeah, it. You're right. And and I think that's where like, you know, these secret societies are kind of tough, right? Because they have all these rules. Mm-hmm. Somebody broke the rules. They're like, no, you can't break the rules. But then they put him on a in, in front of a, a court like that. When really, right. honestly, they would have just gotten rid of him. There wouldn't have been any. Right. Um, yeah. It would have just been and like, like the whole the whole setting him up to be kidnapped right in front of McLeod's barge. Seriously? No, they would have grabbed him at the airport. Also, yes. Um, they definitely would have grabbed him at the airport. They would have brought him down into that basement, talked to him, uh, and then said, well, all right, so you broke all the rules. Uh, enjoy your time in this basement forever. <laughs> or, yeah. or you know, well, you broke the rules and, you know, you're done. You're dead. That's it. Like, they yeah. wouldn't have given him that leeway except for mm-hmm. the plot of this episode. However... right. Doing so uh, at least gave us gave us something because we definitely don't want to lose a character like Joe Dawson that way. 
But it's such right. a weird organization, right? Because like mm-hmm. during that trial, they're like, well, what happened with Horton is irrelevant. No, no, no. It's very relevant because that's right. the whole reason that da- that Duncan McLeod ever found out about Watchers. If it hadn't been for, right. for James Horton going renegade and using mm-hmm. Watchers to kill immortals, there's no reason Duncan would have ever known who they were. They would have kept going on, right. not interfering. But Absolutely. those Watchers interfered. Mm-hmm. So, hey, guys. This is on your butts, not immortal butts. And and you can say, well, Dawson could have denied everything, and he tried to, but Duncan wouldn't give mm-hmm. up. So what does he do at that point? And right. now, after that, some of Joe's decisions, again, somewhat being bullied by McLeod, mm-hmm. but his decisions to help and give Watcher information to Duncan, okay, now they've got a little bit of a leg to stand on as far as, like, you shouldn't be giving this information out. Right. But... For du- for Joe to be like, look, I'm I was trying to help, and and Duncan to step in and say, I would have fought these people anyway. Right. You know, it's not like Joe was was sending me after somebody who didn't deserve it. Like this was all mm-hmm. me doing this, and I would have done it anyway. All Joe did was speed the process up and keep more innocent people from not from dying. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of that. It, and and Joe, to his credit, at the end has kind of he's he realizes what he did was against the rules but he becomes very fatalistic and like all right fine that's it i'm done i'm not going to drag you into this i'm not going to be the reason right. that duncan mcleod dies because of choices mm-hmm. that i made right which of course duncan is like uh yeah let me help you anyway <laughs> right <laughs> but, it's like you know whatever you're oath was we're still friends Mm -hmm. yeah and there's a great and and it's so nice to see those two together again with that wonderful um mutual respect that they have for each other beyond Mm -hmm. just a friendship there's a respect that they have uh for each other and for what they stand for that i think is great right because joe knows that duncan is a very virtuous and very upstanding immortal and he's one of the good Mm -hmm. guys and while at first Duncan didn't trust him, he's grown to trust uh, Joe. And mm-hmm. he understands that Joe, like Joe is not Horton and he's not those watchers and not all watchers are that way, even though all our evidence points to the contrary, right? Right. Like right. 90% of the watchers we've seen in this, in this show are in some way shady. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess to their credit, that's like, you know, the joke about why you never see any British ninjas because they're actually really good at being ninjas. You never see them. <laughs> like the good watchers you don't see. Right. So, but yeah, it was so good to see Joe back though. Um, yeah, it was. And then to have the episode end the way that it does with everybody getting shot by Jacob and Joe yeah. got in the chest. So, mm-hmm. and it's a season finale. You know, yeah, anything's possible. I, 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 they did a good job with that cliffhanger. That, that cliffhanger's at the right spot. Yeah, stupid show. You haul my ass all the way to Paris for, for this? In the last three years, we've lost 80 agents. In the 50 years before that, we've lost two. So there's no final fight. There's no real sword fight at all. We got a couple short nope. clips uh, of sword fights, but nothing, nothing worth talking about. Um, and that's fine, because this episode wasn't dealing with that. So, you know, that's how right. it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, it's a good episode. 
Yeah. And it's a real good setup for a season finale because it raises the stakes. It brings us back a character that we care about mm-hmm. and then drops them into a situation that is life or death. And it puts a lot of pressure on Duncan and there's decisions that have to be made for him and and all of that. And then to have it obviously end on a cliffhanger to be continued for part two um, right. means we're going to find... because. What's interesting is it ends on a cliffhanger, but like, what are they going to resolve? Because now all those watcher heads, except for Jack, are dead. Right. And who's this Jacob Galetti immortal uh, that mm-hmm. mowed him down? And how did he find out about them in the first place? And all of this kind of stuff. Right. So we've got we've got questions, and it's like, okay, what direction are we going in now? Um, Which yeah. now that I'm thinking about it, like, how many of all those eighty something dead? Uh, watchers is actually Jacob himself. It's a good question. I'm a, like, is that something we're going to find out next episode probably? And hopefully yeah. Jack figures it out or finds it out. So yeah, I think be like, Oh crap. I blame I think, Joe for this. Dang it. <laughs> I think we're pretty, pretty safe to bet that Jack will be back. Um, having mm-hmm. him, having him be the only upper uh, level watcher to survive means he's coming back but what's this mean for the watchers right how's this going to fundamentally change the watcher organization moving forward right because they've always been non-interference well maybe now they got to interfere a little bit or maybe they'll at least be a little more lax on watchers interfering uh if it's done you know uh, with prudence we'll see sure plus what is this going to end up meeting for for mythos and adam pearson Mm -hmm. you know we don't know so there's a lot going on there this is it's a good episode because it brings in stakes, it gives us characters we want. The only thing that was missing really was Richie. But yeah. Richie doesn't really have a place to fit into this particular story. No. Um because again, like like you said, Joe hasn't seen Duncan since he was under the influence of the Dark Quickening. Yep. Richie has no reason to come looking for Duncan at all. Like no. Duncan hasn't obviously has not reached out. For whatever reason, fine, whatever. So there's no reason for Richie to come and yeah. be here for anything. Yeah, having Richie just show up in Paris would have felt really forced, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have worked. So yeah, you know, it most likely was scheduling things. Stan Kirsch probably had another project he was working on, totally. and he wasn't there for the second half of the season, which is fine. Mm-hmm. He'll, we're, I'm sure he'll be back. In fact, I know he will be. So mm-hmm. that's fine. But like, okay. there wasn't anywhere for Richie to fit into this particular story. So you've got, instead you've got Mythos who has a tie to the watchers and you've got mm-hmm. Joe and let those three be the central focus of this. Right. Mythos who's already been here for a while anyways. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of established in Paris. I mean, the only reason you bring Richie is if you were doing some kind of Avengers assemble kind of deal and we're not there. So no, nope. Wasn't there yet. So it's overall, I, I very much enjoyed this and I'm really looking forward to the mm-hmm. resolution in part two. Yeah, that should be interesting. For so, sure. That is going to be not next week, but in two weeks. So we are taking a week off. Audie, you're going to be out of town. Um, yeah, I'm going to the beach, baby. Nice. So no new episode next week, but come back in two weeks for the season finale. One oh, minute yeah. to midnight, episode 22 of season four. We'll be wrapping things up, and then after that, we will we will wrap up the season as a whole, give out our yearly or our seasonal awards, 
and then we will end our season four with Highlander Endgame and review mm-hmm. that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what will be coming up over the next couple of weeks. Some uh, yeah. interesting stuff, to say the least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if you enjoy uh, listening to the show and you want to see us record it live, uh, come hang out on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash Travis. You can see kind of behind the curtain and see what we talk about in between segments of how we're going to structure the show and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun. We love to see you there. Ace is always in the chat room. Danny Orr is in the chat yep. room often. And uh, it's great to see, see people in there. So come on by, hang out and enjoy the live show. The podcast itself comes out on Thursdays at anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander or anywhere that you get uh, fine podcasts or mediocre podcasts. We're, we're not going <laughs> to judge. Um, yeah, if you, uh, so definitely leave a rating and review if you can on something like Apple podcasts, it does help the show to become more discoverable, um, for yeah. those, uh, those that are looking for just something to, to listen to, or maybe yeah. Highlander fans that are out there, mm-hmm. you never know. So yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting in a couple of weeks wrapping this one up. I can't wait. Yeah. It's gonna be fun until then in two weeks. In episode 22, One Minute to Midnight, remember, there can be only one Joe Effin Dawson. Heck, yes. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>